The future of education isn't fixed. It's made one thought, one conversation, one choice at a time. I'm Bernard Bull, your host, and I've spent most of my adult life thinking, talking, and writing about the future of education, struggling to figure out how I can help create a more hopeful, humane, and inspiring education system. Welcome to EDU Futures, where I talk with world-class innovators, scholars, futurists, and people discontent enough with the status quo to do something about it. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome to another episode of EDU Futures. Today I have Heather Malin, Director of Research at the Center on Adolescence at Stanford University. Her projects include college experience and purpose development, character development in early adolescence, civic purpose, young entrepreneurs, thriving indicators in adolescence, and the Youth Purpose Project. Her research focuses on how young people develop purpose in different domains and the capacity for meaningful participation in and contribution to their communities and societies. She's author of the book, which we're going to focus on in our conversation, Teaching for Purpose, Preparing Students for Lives of Meaning. And she's written numerous research articles on youth purpose. She earned her PhD from Stanford School of Education. And prior to coming to Stanford, she was a teacher and arts education program manager. She earned a master's degree from Columbia Teachers College and a BA from Sarah Lawrence College. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm so grateful for Heather's work because as we talk about the future of education, it is my sincere hope that that future will be deep and rich with purpose and with meaning. We actually talk about the difference between purpose and meaning in this interview. It's a far-reaching conversation, goes many directions. I think you're going to enjoy it, and I think you'll find something really meaningful in it, and perhaps it even resonates with one or more of your purposes. So here we go. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am so excited about your work. Amid all of the conversations around pedagogy and innovation and educational technology and education, it's really refreshing to come across this kind of research and writing and thinking that takes us really to the essence, uh, to the core. So I'm grateful for your work and I look forward to diving into it over the next half an hour. Thank you. So I'd love to really just jump in uh, right away because I, I love the book and we'll talk about that more. But let's just take a step back and give the audience a chance to learn a little bit more about you. How did you get into this line of inquiry or research? Sure. Um, so I actually started, I was a teacher. I taught elementary school um, art I was an I, I was an art teacher and um, but I was very interested in the arts as a way of thinking and engaging in the arts as a way for young people to develop ways of thinking and um, that kind of led more and more to thinking about um, how art was a way for young people to um, have a voice or to participate in a meaningful way in creating the world that they live in. And um, that was an idea I played with. I actually started my PhD program after teaching for a couple of years uh, with that idea in mind. And um, as I was working on my PhD program, I became very lucky to uh, meet um, Dr. Bill Damon and get an opportunity to work on the purpose project with him, which was already going when I when I met him. 
um, he he had done interviews. His team had done interviews with a lot of adolescents who um, many of whom were involved in the arts and so he saw an opportunity for me to um, look at the interviews with people who were involved with the arts and see what was going on with them in terms of purpose how were they developing purpose in that particular domain and that really met my interest that I had not yet defined as purpose but I had I had thought about it in very similar terms, which is how do young people become um, agents and participants in their communities and in society in a very proactive and creative way to matter and, you know, people who contribute to creating the world they live in. Um, So it was a really great fit for me. And um, I think it was a great fit for the project. And I've been here ever since working on on all the various purpose research projects that have come out of that. I suppose we should start with maybe some definitions. And uh, one of the ways in which you've defined purpose is a future-directed goal that is personally meaningful and aimed at contributing to something larger than the self. And I know in your book, you break that down into sort of these three components. I'm wondering if you can do that out loud with us. I mean, the first one you noted, the idea of intention to progress toward a personally meaningful um, ultimate aim meaningful goal, right? So yeah, and this is specifically aimed, I will say that this this does match what we generally, how we generally think about the dimensions of purpose. Um, I did use specific language in the book that was, um, had teachers and educators in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted language that would align with maybe the ways they were already thinking about what they were trying to do with their students um, and just to push it more in, in the direction of purpose. Um, so yeah, so the first... Uh, the first piece of that definition and what we kind of think about when we're looking for purpose in young people is um, a meaningful goal. And that's a goal. Uh, it could be intention, um, goal. Uh, it, it's not necessarily, um, you know, a straight aim goal, but it's it's an intention of how you want to live and, and, you know, what you want to do with your life and what kind of person you want to be. So it can kind of be thought of more broadly than like a a very specific goal. Um, But it's meaningful to the self, which means it's something that's really central to who you are, again, to the the kind of person that you want to be. Maybe it it comes from the values that you hold dear. And it's kind of a a way to live, um, thinking about how am I going to live according to that meaningful self. The second piece is the beyond the self motivation. And so this is a purpose we think of as a a goal or intention that is driven by, at least in part, uh, some desire to to contribute something or to connect in a meaningful way to something that is larger than the self or to help others to, to put something in the world that can make a difference, large or small. It doesn't have to be world-changing, but um, something something that makes a difference in some way in the lives of other people. And um, now we say that that's the motivation and it's a separate piece because that's really separate from the goal in the sense that um, some people can have a goal that they want to be a doctor, let's say. And that sounds like it might be beyond the self, but their motivation might have nothing to do with helping others. They might be entirely driven to um, make a lot of money. And on the other hand, uh, you could meet someone whose goal or uh, intention is to 
make a lot of money. And the, but the drive behind that is they're thinking about taking care of a family, um, giving back to a family that's taking care of them, um, something like that. So we really look for the motivation behind the goal and not just the goal itself to look for that beyond the self piece. And then the third dimension, as we call them, or the first the third component is the activity. And that's not really, um, it's not quite part of the definition. And yet we do very strongly believe that if you're not acting on a goal or intention, then you're not living that purpose. So there really has to be some demonstration that, um, that you're doing something in some way. And we've found a lot of different ways that people can act on their purpose. Um, but there has to be some demonstration that you're living it, that you're doing it um, in order to get kind of the benefits of that purpose. So that's kind of things like the commitment of actual time and energy and focus on on some task or collection of tasks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a commitment. I mean, another way I think about purpose is that it's a commitment to something, to being someone and to doing something in the world. And actually doing something is a demonstration of that commitment. Plus, you're not really, you know, purpose. This is one of the ways we differentiate having a purposeful life from a meaningful life. You know, you can have a sense of meaning um, in the sense that things matter to you. But if you're not actually doing something in the world, you're not living a purpose. That is actually, wow, I can't believe that you said that because that leads right into the next <laughs> question I was going to ask. And I don't want to get too philosophical. One of the things I love about your work sure. is that it's supremely practical, but not reductionist, because meaning that you don't just offer a set of sort of prescriptions on do this and then everything's taken mm. care of. I, I really like that about your work. Right. <laughs> um, Great. But I, I do think that what you just said is is a really important distinction because we use these words in different ways. And I'm wondering if you can just talk briefly about how you use the word purpose uh, similarly to or different from the word meaning? Sure. Um, so there are a few different things. And one of them is that action piece. You know, something can be meaningful. Or you, can, you can live a life of meaning or find things meaningful um, without taking any action, without doing anything about it. You know, things can be symbolic or have meaning but they don't actually involve doing anything. So that's that's one of the ways that we differentiate meaning from purpose. Purpose is um, having a purpose, having a, a reason for being here in the world. You know, what is your reason for being here? What is your purpose in the world? Um, has to have some kind of outward extension of yourself into the world. Meaning is more of a connection with the world, I think there has to be, I think I agree with those who would say that meaning and having a meaningful life is about um, about connection, but it's not necessarily an action connection. And then another difference is that meaning doesn't have to be, um, as I understand it, it's not necessarily beyond the self. You can have things that are meaningful to you that are um all about just who you are internally and don't have anything to do with um, how you see yourself contributing to the world beyond yourself. That is really helpful. In fact, I came across 20 years ago. I don't know if you've ever come across this study. I can't find it. I was looking for it again recently. Uh, someone asked me for the citation. But 20 years ago, I was in my, wow, has it been that long? 20 years ago, I was in my doctoral program 
And I remember I was taking a qualitative research course and came across a uh, grounded theory study about why students fall asleep in class, why college students fall asleep mm -hmm. in class. And after this sort of collection of interviews for listeners who don't know grounded theory, you conduct a series of interviews, you been to, you develop a tentative theory, and then you begin to test that and refine it with uh, as you add new people to the interview pool. And uh, and so the question is, in this case, you obviously find people who have fallen asleep in class and you interview them. And the end of the study, I always love these profound findings that are one or two word conclusions. The, the conclusion was that college students regularly fall asleep in class when they experience perceived meaninglessness. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so hopeful for me because I remember being someone who has done a lot of coaching and working with others to improve the engagement level and the outcomes in a learning environment. It used to always frustrate me when I would go into a medical school and see what seemed like an incredibly dry style and approach to teaching. And yet the students were getting a great deal out of it. So it sort of undermined yeah, my rationale yeah. that it was a bad practice, right? <laughs> um, that uh, it was hard hard to make that case. Um, and yet this study was always in the back of my mind realizing, oh, wait a second, if there's meaning or um, if there's purpose involved, then yeah. that can actually be a buffer for, not that we want to justify this, but it can be a buffer yeah. for an even subpar learning environment in some cases. Yeah, and that's actually a great entry into. Uh, I may. I'm going to try to thread together a, an example here that, or a way of thinking about the difference between meaning and purpose, but how they're related in terms of education. And um, when I think of making school meaningful for students and using that towards engagement, I and going towards purpose, I think about students having the opportunity to bring and connect what's meaningful to them to the classroom and connect it with their learning and share it in that environment so that it connects to what they're doing in school um, so that whatever is meaningful to them. And I don't mean whatever is interesting in terms of like whatever song they're into that day, <laughs> you know, but, but like, but what, but you know, what, what do they get from their family that they want to share with the class or what's, you know, what is, what's really meaningful in their lives outside of school and what are the opportunities to connect that with what they're doing at school? And then I see that as a foundation for finding opportunities to make learning purposeful and to bring purpose into the classroom by then engaging that meaning in, you know, projects or in some kind of learning activities, authentic learning activities that can extend it so that the student is learning how to set goals and act on that using what they're learning, but tying in what's meaningful. Yes. And I would love, I, I definitely, it does. It makes sense. And I'd love, we'll get to some practical pieces. I, I want to make sure that I sure. save plenty of time to talk about how schools can support students in developing purpose. But before we get to that, I thought maybe uh, just in case, I always linger on the so what, and uh, maybe I don't need to mm -hmm. it, when it comes to a topic like purpose. Hopefully that's uh, self-evident why that's important. But I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, the role of purpose uh, in in adolescent development. Like, what, what what does the presence or absence of purpose do to that kind mm. of developmental trajectory? Sure. So, 
Um, there are, I'll take a couple of different paths in responding to that. One is there's a lot of research that um, it's a it's a growing body of research that suggests that uh, having purpose, um, it's related to a lot of other positive outcomes in terms of both physical and mental well-being. It's um, There's a lot of evidence about um, physical health being greater among people who have purpose. Um, people with purpose seem to be able to cope better with stress and um, other challenges that come up and so on. There's a lot of you know different studies that look at different aspects of psychological and physical well-being, and there's a lot of association with purpose. Now, I do have to say that that's generally correlational, not necessarily seeing cause in terms of purpose causing it, but there's a lot, a lot of connection between those things. Um, the other way to think about it is that, um, especially for young people, um, we see that people with purpose have a lot of drive um, and direction. And so they can think, I think, with more future directedness and with more stable planning and commitment and um, direction about where they're headed. And, I've, and we see that it makes... Uh, it provides the potential, I guess, for planning out a future based on what I see as meaningful, where I want to go in the future, and how I'm going to get there. Um, we also see that people with purpose, including young people, tend to have a lot more energy in in a lot of different directions. So they may have a purpose in one direction, but they're also exploring a lot of different possibilities for their life. So there's just generally a more um, proactive approach to to life and to looking towards the future. You know, I think you can see about how that helps students academically. Um, we don't necessarily see a correlation between academic performance and purpose, but that's really in terms of numbers like grades and things. There's no correlation, but in a lot of other indicators, um, students seem to do better in school, just be more engaged and dedicated to school when they have purpose. I love it that whenever I have a conversation and people's comments predict what I'm going to say next, because I was going to ask that <laughs> about um, you know, how purpose is or is not related to academic performance. If you could talk about, uh, I guess I'm interested in that in two ways. One is, is uh, you, you just, what you just mentioned, the fact that there's, there's not a strong correlation uh, between the two. But the second, I guess I'm interested in a very practical way. How does that impact the, the, the level of interest in your work in the current K-12 climate? <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It seems like so much is focused upon how do we improve these test scores? How do um, I'm just curious how people have received this work and uh, what leads people to actually want to dig deeper into this this kind of this line of inquiry that that you're that you offer? Sure. Um, okay. So the first question there. So in our uh, one study we did, it was with eighth and ninth graders, and we did collect GPA data, and we don't see in that particular study, there's no correlation between GPA and purpose. Um, and this isn't surprising because I think, you know, one of the explanations is that when pe young people are finding purpose, they're not finding it in school. 
that's the whole point. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. school is not providing that opportunity. But if they do have purpose, they're busy with something else after school and they're not like the more academically focused kids spending all of their time on act- doing as well as possible in school. So that's one explanation. Um, it's one study. There are some other indicators that purpose does support academic performance. Um, There's a study that shows that when students are either primed or prompted to think about um, having a beyond-the-self purpose for their learning or or just ask beforehand whether or not they have a beyond-the-self purpose for their learning, those students who have already or are given a beyond-the-self purpose for their learning do perform better on an academic task. Um, that's that's not my study. That's someone else's study. Um, but so so there are indicators that there's definitely some potential uh, ways that having purpose can support academic learning and performance. Um, that said, it's not what I aim for. <laughs> I definitely steer clear of that as an outcome. And what I've seen in working with organizations and schools is where it's being picked up is where the leadership is saying enough is enough is what they're saying, that um, we know what our students need. We've seen it. We've seen uh, all the problems and damage caused by focusing on test scores and um, college and career absent of any other sort of ideas about what the purpose, uh, what the future could look like. Um, And we've seen that our students need something else and we're going to look for it. And those are the schools that have picked up these organizations that have been kind of um, building up these programs that have been designed to teach for purpose. The ones I looked at, they're all evolving. They start out with an idea of purpose and they realize there's a lot of other things you can, you can teach and develop through that. Um, But but for the most part, they started with this idea of bringing purpose to the schools, and the schools are very interested. We've had they these programs um, have seen more demand than they can meet. Um, so there is definitely you know a shift or a turn going on in a lot of places where the schools at the leadership level are saying we want these because this is what our students need. And some of the things they see are not may or may not be academic outcomes changing, um, but it, it's hard to measure. There's a, there's a lot in here that's difficult to measure, but one of the measures I've seen highlighted uh, at, in a few places is declining discipline referrals and suspensions and that kind of um, things that indicate that, that when these programs are brought into the school, they um, there's, a, there's a transition that happens in the culture or in the environment. Um, and what they point to is there's more trust <laughs> that builds up between teachers and students and between students and students. And it allows for a different kind of um, conversation to happen between teachers and students uh, because they are talking about things that are meaningful and about purpose and about where students are going with their lives and what they want from their lives. And um it just opens more avenues for communication between teachers and students that's more authentic 
So let's dive into this right away. I want to make sure I don't sure. lose track of time so much that we don't get into kind of the, the question that some will be listening for, which is how can schools actually support students in developing purpose? I know you get into things like school culture mm -hmm. and curriculum and project learning, and you give some really great <laughs> examples. So can you just talk a little bit about what are some specific practical things that schools can do? Where do they start? If there's a school that feels as if they're purpose deficient <laughs> um, and they want want to infuse the, the, the school with, with a greater sense of purpose or create a space where more, more students are developing a deep sense of purpose? Uh, where do they start? Where do they go? Yeah, that's a, that's a really big question. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, I'll, just, I'll just sort of give a little caveat to start out, which is that um, I, I think I talk about this, but there's not a lot of good measurement going on yet. There's a lot of people working on that problem. Um, so it's not like there's any proven way. I just want to be clear about that. Um, but I do have some ideas. Um, one that, um, one thing that came up again and again, that even programs that have these well-developed curriculum, curriculum, and they're going into schools, um, kept finding that, um, what would be really useful is if schools started younger, um, even elementary school, although you know, uh, starting in middle school helps with things like having uh, open discussions in the classroom, open-ended discussions about what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, like, why are we here? And I don't mean in the, the religious sense. I mean, like, you know, why, you know, why school? What are we here? What's learning for? But also, um, who am I? what matters to me, having these kind of questions in the school environment um, creates the potential for kids to continue, students and teachers really, to continue having those discussions as kids get older and as they're heading towards, you know, their senior year of high school. And if they continue to have those kind of dialogues in this classroom with big questions about, you know, where they're going in life, who they want to be, there's all different angles to take it. but. Um, just generally that kind of area of values and the future and thinking about those things in the context of learning and having those discussions with other people, other students in the classroom, um, it seems to put them on a path of developing those ideas and actually using them to inform how they think about their future. Um, whereas I think, I mean, it's, it's such a contrast to what a lot of schools are doing, which is, um, just trying to get them through the milestones to get to college uh, in an academic sense. And that kind of precludes all of that slower, more open-ended, less controlled, but more meaningful thinking and, and dialogue in the classroom. Hmm. So that's a big one. It's actually a small one, but it's a big one. But um, that came up again and again is just having taking time for open-ended discussions about big, meaningful questions about life in the classroom. Um, the other things that came up was giving students opportunities for authentic action. Um, and that comes in the context of having done this thinking about who am I, who do I want to be, what is my community and what do I, what role do I want to play in 
my community or in society, and then actually finding ways to do something about it um, to gain that practice so that you're applying your learning in ways that are connected with these ideas about the kind of person I want to be in the world and what I want to contribute to the world. And so it may not be, you know, a lot, a lot of what I saw was school improvement or community improvement type projects that may not relate to a student's ultimate purpose or even their current purpose, but it gives them practice in acting on those kind of ideas and goals that are, you know, going beyond the self. And it it just gives a foundation for, um, of, of practice of those kind of skills, their skills to be able to, to take action on those things. So we see, we actually do see that things like service learning seem to be at least at the college level, what we're seeing now, um, which is pretty self-selective, but um, there's definitely a relationship between purpose and service learning opportunities. Um, the key, I think one of the keys in that service learning piece is not just sending kids out for, you know, volunteer experience, but a lot of it is about the reflection that goes on um, during, before, during, and after. So um, I think that a lot of um, the way to bring purpose into any kind of learning activity, but especially if you're engaging kids to look beyond themselves and to engage in problem solving or acting in the world beyond themselves, but um, is including a lot of reflection in how how what they're doing is having an effect in the world, what does it mean to them, um, where would they take it from here, and so on. Um, I mean, in, in general reflection also, even not in the context of any particular kind of purpose-oriented activities, but reflecting on why we're doing what we're doing in the classroom um, so students understand even the purpose of what they're doing and providing opportunities to make connections to why they would want to be doing that. And I think that goes to, um, you know, the idea of students being more engaged when they find things meaningful. Just having the opportunity to find that connection is important. Um, one other one, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of um, out of order, I guess. But, the, you know, I'm kind of thinking of things out of order. But um, one that we often advocate is um, role models. And those come in all different forms, um, but providing role models is actually something that teachers can do in just about any, you know, lesson or circumstance. And um, whether that's being a role model themselves of purpose or um, teaching through, you know, important historical role models or um, even um, we've even seen that it may be that uh, peer role models are actually more influential for getting students to, you know, think about and engage in purpose-like activities. So mm. we see a lot of impact of role models. Yeah, I remember when I first started studying alternative and experimental models of education, I visited lots of K-12 schools. And my uh, daughter, who's now 15, uh, I think my wife was expecting at the time. So she um, had not yet been born, but I was thinking about being a parent. Um, for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so my research became incredibly personal 
because I was looking at these schools and thinking about what I wanted for my children. And I remember after going through visiting school after school after school, there were times I would get pretty emotional. I'm not that emotional of a person, but I'd find myself even tearing up a little bit driving back from a place. And I found myself uh, naming the things I wanted for my children. And and you just mm-hmm. stated one of them, which was, I so much want a community where my children see people who are passionate about something in life and they model that yeah. where they, they kind of, they see that. And the other was um, a place where uh, my children are invited to explore those passions themselves, um, which you yeah. kind of stated is <laughs> in terms of, of how purpose is cultivated. Those are two key ingredients. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think teachers get, um, there's, I don't want to say teachers, but, you know, I think schools get hung up on the idea that learning can't be about students' interests because, you know, we've got a curriculum and a core curriculum and there's content that we need to teach. But I think teachers have a lot of opportunity to expose students to those ideas in a way that can ignite that level of interest um, and find ways to connect it to the the passions that students might be exploring at that time. Um, and I did provide a couple of examples of that in my book. Uh, my daughter, she's 11 now, but she's had some teachers who have um, done that because that's how her school works. And so there's some examples I, I used in there. I get one, one of them, they use uh, the kids were just fascinated by dragons um, all year. And so the teacher grabbed onto that to connect it to things that he needed to teach, which was um, the idea of literature uh, having a moral component to it. Um, and the science teacher needed to teach about life cycles. And so they managed to kind of use the dragon love <laughs> to um really bring those things to the kids in a way that they couldn't let go of it. They were just so excited about it. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of our time, but I want to finish with one question if you're up to it. The podcast name is EDU Futures, so I have to at least ask a future-oriented question here. And I'm curious about uh, where this research is going for you. What are some of the unanswered questions in the research and the ones that that are most intriguing to you, the ones you hope to spend more time on? Yeah, there are, there are many. Um, I am really interested in the question about how education relates to purpose and how purpose relates to education. And um, I feel like I've just been touching the iceberg on that so far um, in, in the research. Um, so there's a lot of angles. One is I'm really interested in finding out if bringing purpose to schools, I want to see if there are ways to... I don't know if measure is is the right word, but um, understand what happens when students are engaged in purpose discovery or purpose creation activities at schools. What happens to the school environment? What happens to students? What happens to the relationships between teachers and students? I think there's just a lot to learn there. Um, And I, from what I've seen, even in little bits and pieces, I'm really excited about what the potential of that. Um, I'm I'm excited about the potential also for that to have a pretty wide impact on schools and education. There's a much more concrete question about how do you measure purpose and especially measure purpose in a way where you can see change as a result of educational interventions or activities. Um, That's a really hard question 
and it's one I've been working on for a long time uh, with not with you know varied success, but we're still working on it. Um, I'm very interested in the idea of purpose as an intervention in a lot of different circumstances with people who might struggle with meaning in life. Um, so one study I've been working on is a very early pilot study of uh, using purpose, the purpose interview as an intervention with suicidal adolescents. Um, so that's really exploring this idea of can engaging young people in these kind of discussions um, help them think about life uh, in a future-directed way and think about you know, what makes life worth living. Um, and that can be applied in um, some other populations as well that I'm thinking about. So those are kind of the main ones that are on my mind right now and the ones I'm working on right now. And, you know, it just keeps going from there. I think, I think there's a lot, especially in this area of, you know, what learning activities and opportunities do support purpose or pr promote purpose development. And um, there's a whole lot of a whole lot we have left to learn there, um, but that we're really exploring in our current study. And then the other side of what kind of when you do do that or when you do bring that into the school, what happens in the school? Um, those are both things I'm looking at my current other current studies and pretty preliminary at this point. So to be continued on that. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to have you on again and explore uh, where this is going. I, I am so grateful for you and for your work. I think in this current context, it's incredibly relevant and important. And as many of us are sort of imagining and striving to co-create the future of education, I'm, hmm. I'm quite hopeful that it will be one that's rich with purpose. And maybe your work will contribute to that. So thank you very much. Well, great. Well, thank you for the work you do. It's obviously... You're the ones who are putting it into practice with students. So I am eternally grateful for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of EDU Futures, where we agree with Bucky Fuller when he wrote, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Check out show notes and other episodes at futurist.fm forward slash edu futures.